Always a weird silence. <laughs> All right, welcome to another episode of Collective Conversations. I am your host, Mike Brewer, and I have a very special guest today. But before we provide the introduction, I want to remind everybody, if you enjoy the content, please take the time to rate and review and share us out with your friends. We really, really appreciate that. Our guest today is Adrian Dadnilla, uh, Regional Maintenance Director for the East Coast for Birchstone Residential. Adrian, welcome to the show. Mike, thank you so much for having me. I've been waiting for this moment for a while, for a long time. I was hoping to, to, to get on your show. Oh, it's uh, I, I'm excited to have you. I know we are talking about a topic today that is both near and dear to your heart and near and dear to my heart. Um, that is the service side of our business. But before we dive into the conversation, I want to give you the opportunity to uh, introduce yourself to our audience, both viewers and listeners. Thank you. So I'm going to start uh, a little bit with my previous life, right? Uh, I was born in Romania at the time a communist country. Uh, when I was a uh, 14 years old, I, uh, I went to high school living intern and I lived away from my parents for four years, the entire high school period. Uh, after high school, I had a year, I tried to get into law school and I failed the first time. So I went back home to my village and I was a substitute teacher for a year. And then I tried the second time the next year. Uh, I have succeeded. So then I ended up in law school. Uh, I spent, I studied five years. Uh, I graduated law school. After law school, I went and I took the bar exam. So um, I'm actually a uh, an attorney, certified attorney. In Romania, I never practiced as an attorney. So that's just a, a, a few of, I will say, you know, fun facts about my previous life, right? Uh, in uh, 2003, I came to United States uh, with a, uh, with a, uh, with Visa Lottery, a uh, U.S. government program. And my American dream uh, started right there. It was February 2nd of 2003. I remember that day like yesterday when I first set foot on American soil, a, a very special day for me. Uh, it, it truly changed my life in, in ways that I could never imagine. And uh, also I'm grateful for that, for the opportunity. So when I first came to United States, I was not speaking English. My vocabulary consisted of about 50, 30 to 50 English words. Most of them that I could, I could not really dare to pronounce on camera. <laughs> so, I, uh, we, uh, we basically uh, stayed with a Romanian family at the very beginning for a few months. They helped us get on our feet, you know, get our paperwork in order and everything. And for all this time, I've been attempting to find a full-time job. My dream job at the time was no matter what type of job, but if I could make $10 an hour and have a, have a full-time job with benefits, that, that would be my dream job for the time. So I've tried. I got you know a few odd jobs, like part-time seasonal mm -hmm. jobs, mm -hmm. helper in construction. I've done just about anything that I could do uh, to make a living for the time being, and I kept applying for full-time jobs. Um, one day I met with a friend, a Romanian friend, and he was uh, studying to become a, a PhD at Georgia Tech. So he said to me, well, you might want to look into uh, their career page because they have a couple of groundskeeper openings. So I went to Georgia Tech career page and I found the openings and I'd applied. And those no answer. 
But the word that really stuck with me was groundskeeper. So the thing that I've done going forward, I really focused on everything that, you know, had a label, groundskeeper label. So I would go online and I would just apply for groundskeeper jobs. So about three or four months later, I've applied for a part-time job through the Department of Labor website page. Uh, and they had a part-time groundskeeper job at an apartment community. I got lucky and I got a phone call. So the property manager called me. I went, I interviewed, I got the job. That was one of the best, you know, that, that was the breakthrough that I needed really. And this is how I got into property management, into multifamily. Now, uh, I worked at that community for six months. And then after six months, I was living at a different apartment community. At the community where I was living at, the groundskeeper right there, you know, an older gentleman, he used to come very early every morning. So when I was going to my part-time job, 8 o'clock or 7.30, he was already there doing grounds, being busy. So a few months in, about four, four or five months in, right, into my part-time job, one morning, I haven't seen him on a property. So the first thing that came to mind was like, he's not working here anymore. So I went back home after my part-time job and I told my wife, I said, look, something happened with the groundskeeper here. So I'm going to go apply for his job. So her response was like, you're crazy. Like you're insane. <laughs> the man might have a, you know, he, he might have a PTO. He might have a day off vacation. He might be gone on vacation. So, you know, I kind of thought about it. Well, maybe she's right. So the next morning is the same thing, right? I'm heading to work and he's not there. When I, Came back from my part-time job. I stopped at the leasing office, and uh, I asked to you know speak with the manager. And I asked you know, is there any opening right here? So the manager told me, yes, we have a groundskeeper opening. So I, said, <laughs> so I said, I would love the opportunity to interview. So I've interviewed. Uh, he gave me the chance, and I got the job. And that was my dream job: ten dollars an hour, full-time job with benefits. That was that was that was one of the best days in my life, and this is how my story started. Really, uh, two and a half years, I moved from groundskeeper to punch tech to service technician to assistant service manager. Uh, at that point, two and a half years later, my company had an opening somewhere else at a different property for a service manager, and I asked my you know manager, hey. I'll be, I told him I'll be interested in applying. And the answer was, well, you're not ready for it yet. So I wasn't really given the, the, the opportunity to, to interview. So then I thought about, you know, the best opportunity that you could have is the one that you create for yourself. <laughs> yes, so, so, true. <laughs> so I went back online, right? And started looking for a service manager opening. And I started applying for service manager jobs. A couple of months in, uh, I got a break. Uh, Someone that owned a uh, recruiting company reached out to me and, you know, set up an interview. I remember uh, meeting with her like super early in the morning so I could make it back to 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 my community for like nine o'clock opening. I think it was 6.30 or 7 a.m. I met with her at a Starbucks. And then, you know, we met, you know, she got to know me and I think she probably saw something in me, you know, some some for sure she did. And she said, well, I don't have anything now currently, but I know of a great vice president of a great company up and coming. It turned out that, that you know, that was great stuff, right? 
I don't, I don't buy <laughs> that uh, is, is growing. You know, they have plans to grow in Atlanta. And if something comes up, I will definitely get you in touch with her. And that did happen like a month or two months later, she did contact me and say, you know, there's opportunity. So at the time, just so everybody understands, uh, Graystar had six properties that they manage in Atlanta. <laughs> now they have they have property. <laughs> yeah, they have just about every other property in Atlanta is theirs under management. And uh, they were nationwide. They were the they moved from the 11th place to like seventh place that year, 2006. And uh, they were going to be the next year the fifth largest company. Yeah. So I uh, I got that opportunity. Again, super grateful. 18 months in, uh, I was promoted to my first regional maintenance director job with Graystar. So that, that, that was a super fun ride and excellent opportunity. And I had really, really good time and I uh, had opportunity to work with great leaders out there. I learned a lot and an economy went bad. So, yeah. so my director position went away and it, it was pretty devastating to me. I uh, I did not expect. I uh, first I didn't accept. How could this happen to me? Because I haven't done anything wrong. Not actually realizing at the moment, right? Yeah. That it's not something that I created. I've done. It was strictly just things like that happen all the time. Like I was just not prepared for it. So it, it took me a while to you know get back on my feet. And you know, obviously I had to go back on site. I spent the next eight years on site positions, uh, large properties mainly, and high-profile properties, and multi-site, like two properties at the same time, until the next opportunity for a regional maintenance director position came up. Uh, currently at Birston Residential, I'm at my fourth uh, director or regional director position in my career. And that's, I will not say in a nutshell, that's the fairly long version of my <laughs> career and my background. You, you know, I, I appreciate every second of that. And, and really on behalf of our, our potential audience here, either listeners or, or people who are viewing this, because it to me, it is a it is a testament to. You know, you set a goal for your for your life, right, for your career. I want a dream job. It's 10 bucks an hour with benefits. You, you visualize that in your head and lo and behold, that's precisely what you got, right? But then you didn't stop there. You you worked hard. I imagine you kept your side of the street clean, so to speak. You had good character. You were doing what you were asked to do every day and then opportunity presented itself and you went for it. And on one occasion, you had to go for it. You had to make your own opportunity and you went for it. But it's a testament to any of those of you out there watching or listening you, you just work hard, right? Get get a picture in your mind. You just work hard. You just keep your side of the street clean and opportunities will present themselves or you can go make opportunities for yourself. And that that is the nature of our business. If you you can rock along for one year, three years, five years, opportunities are all over the place as long as you chase them and make them for yourself where you work hard and, and uh, people people see you working hard. Adrian, I, I really want to unpack... Um, the service industry. We were talking a little bit before we got started here about how this side of the industry, when I say this side, I don't mean to cause division, but it seems like the the maintenance side or some call it the service side of our business is sometimes the most thankless 
position in our organizations, our multifamily organizations, or they're the forgotten people, I think, to, to steal your term. Let's unpack that a little bit. Why do you think that is? And, and what can we do as an industry to change that? I know you're doing a lot of work and I'd love to hear about that, but what can we do as an industry to, to get on board and change this perception? So, um, Mike, that's, that, that's a great topic and I'm very passionate about it. Uh, those of you that uh, are knowing me from LinkedIn, that we're connected on LinkedIn, know that I post a lot about about this topic. Um, so, what's causing it? I say one of the main co- the main causes for um, for the I guess maybe lack of attention. Yeah, yeah, or, that's a good way for, to put it. For, for the yeah, for the for the main side main side of the business uh, comes from the fact that our businesses are ran mainly at a very top level by CFO type of individuals versus like CEO type of individuals. So I'm talking about people that have a strong financial background and they're mainly about the numbers. So I just learned myself uh, throughout my career that, you know, when you're really focusing too hard on the numbers, you're missing out on, a, uh, in my opinion, the most important part of the business, which is people. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's very, it's very easy to kind of miss the maintenance part because the office, the management part is like inside. It's closer. Regional managers always focus on that because they're the ones getting the leases. They're the ones you know getting the paychecks. But the the part that actually keeps the residents in that keeps high resident retention rates uh, gets great uh, surveys, right? Acts right. like a marketing tool for your business, it's maintenance, right? But it takes a very uh, a very intense effort to realize that and actually live with it and actually just make a point in just realizing this. Because typically, even though everybody knows the financial impact that maintenance teams have on a property. We talk about it, but it's not really it's not really chased as hard as we're chasing occupancy, whether it's you know physical occupancy or financial occupancy. Like those are terms that we hear all the time. We're yes. driven, we're an industry that's driven by those terms, but we're actually not driven by you know a high resident retention rate. I'm not saying that they're not there. They are there. They're just not on top of the list. So I think those are th- those are the, the causes, right? Um, yes. Now, when it comes to what can we do, I think if I only had one sentence to say, I, I, I will say that we have to bring back human in human resources. Yes. That, yes. That's what we need to do in short. Okay. And I'm going to. I'm going to go into depth a little bit here. Uh, I think just literally empathy and kindness are in short supply, not just in our industry, but in, in our society in general. If we could bring more of that to our groups, you know, at micro level and also macro, I think that alone will will change the narrative, like will will change everything in ways that we can't even imagine uh, how impactful that could be. Uh, I think companies that will be set up to win 
will be companies that will really make a point in no no one in a management position being allowed to mistreat their employees yes R- regardless of how high you know it could be executive position you are not to mistreat your employees do not and i think if that becomes a rule of the company and it becomes culture that changes everything uh, we put so much the cart before the horse and we're looking at numbers 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 one in reality we should actually look at who drives the numbers and understand that the numbers are really a consequence of the work that's done by our people yes it's yes. people it's people um another very simple way to put it is treat people well and they're going to reciprocate they're gonna in return they're gonna be grateful for how you treat them and they will go and treat your residents well that's right and, and this is not like a uh, very deep philosophy type of thing it's truly just basic human behavior you know if you if you treat someone with kindness the chances for them to respond rude to you or you know to be mean to you are very minimal that's right they feel obligated if you're the one you know going at them with kindness and you show them that you care they're gonna reciprocate they're gonna respond the same way so I, I i think i think the answer is really in 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 culture culture is the number one thing uh secondary it's not a you know it's not the most important thing secondary is Competitive pay, of course, you know, uh, people will really enjoy being in an environment that, you know, they really feel valued. But at yep. the same time, we have a financial responsibility to ourselves, to our families. We have to be able to support them, right? So staying competitive is not really one of the things that our industry is very well known for. And I'm noticing that when when we discuss pay for service technicians or service managers, everybody's looking at the market in a very static way. The way I look at it, I look at the whole entire market, who hires in a market period, not just who hires in a property management industry in a market. Uh, I, I've done, I ran numbers about a week ago, we had a, uh, we had a round table that we just discussed the shortages and I compare ourselves with HVAC industry with appliance, with plumbers, with electricians, even with Costco. There's positions that are fairly entry level at Costco. At a warehouse, they're paying more than we would pay a maintenance technician. Uh, and then we also require for them to be on call. And everybody that ever been has been on call understands the burden that you know that person has to you know carry. It's not the fact that they had to get up, but you're basically trapped into a mindset of you always have to be ready. Right. You always have. I, I used to, you know, when, you know, when I was on call at times, I used to have my uniforms right next to my bed so I could jump right, right off the bed. Sometimes I'll be not changing my work uniforms for a couple of hours from the time I got home, just being prepared just in case I got a phone call like you know, in the evening. It, it's, uh, it, it, it could be very stressful at times. Definitely. I, you, you know, it, there, there's so much there. It's one thing that I came to mind for me and narrow in on is that it, it 
in my head, um, culture, in order to have great culture, you have to, in, in my head, have great leaders, right? That, that subscribe to things like empathy and kindness. And that is really born out of the character of the leaders. And, and in my head, that's really born out of, that is really born out of just understanding that when you have other human beings under your leadership, that is a privilege. And, and it is to be taken seriously. Like you are leading sons and daughters and aunts, uncles, whatever, however you might describe them as sort of these other roles they play in their lives. They are human beings and it is a huge privilege and a huge responsibility to be a leader and actually guide and direct people. And it and it has to be done with kindness and empathy and sympathy and all those soft sides of business that have nothing to do with numbers, but have everything to do with creating that consequence that you, that you talked about. And it, it it's interesting to me in the sense that in the world that we live in right now, you you sort of alluded to this a little bit earlier. In the world that we live in now, uh, I know America has lots of things going on in, in its sort of culture, like broader culture right now that seem to be putting pressures on on everybody. How do you how do you get that day in and day out, day in and day out when you've got people who are just being crushed by the activity that's happening at the site level from a consumer that is just stressed out. Our residents are stressed out, not because necessarily of us, but what's going on in the world. And they default to taking that out many times, or we do it as team members, take it out on service people. Right, wrong, or indifferent, it ends up coming out, whether it's directed them or not. How do you keep people inspired and motivated in this type of pressure cooker environment that we're in right now? I think simply just being there for them physically, try to spend as much time physically with them as possible. Try to listen to understand, not respond. Someone mm. says something to you. Don't just immediate produce a response. Take a couple of seconds and try to process first. Yeah. And understand actually you know, look at the body language. Look at the tone of what they're trying to say. A, a, a lot of the times, a, a lot of times, just the body language tells you a different story than what the person tells you. True. Try to get to know your people at personal level. As you said, you know, greatly said earlier, it's a privilege. Uh, managers, and I use this because for the most part, right, we, you know, we, we are managers. Uh, Leadership is kind of, you know, next, next level thing. But I think that everybody got so much in love with the leadership that we just kind of tend to forget that we got to be managers first. I, you know, manage manage things and also manage people. Like, I, I don't think that, you know, managers should have such a negative connotation. Um, Agreed. Um, and uh, I, I think most people like, you know, the leadership part more than management because uh, in, in leadership, you will say, uh, I'm going to get the best out of my people, right? And then in management, you have to say, I had to make this much occupancy, this much budget. So the the, the accountability is different, right? You yes. know, so, someone could be inspiring and say great things when it comes to, you know, leadership. But when it comes to management, their metrics, the, not to say that a person that, you know, it's in a leadership position 
leadership is influence really is not opposition ultimately it's- so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of jumping from one thing to another because you know it, that, that's another thing that I'm passionate about. This, but to your point, uh, Mike, we as managers, we work for our people. It's not the other way around. Um, so true. So true. For someone to think that hey, I got into this management position and all of a sudden I have this many people working for me, it, it's uh, <laughs> it, it it's it's going to be followed by a by a wake up call right uh, it, yeah. it comes with a very it's going to be a very painful experience for for that person it's all i could say just just realize just know or you know the expectations when we work the long hours when we put in the extra time not to say that we wouldn't want our team members to do the same way but we have to realize two things you know we're not we're not compensated at the same level as we are and then Second of all, if they were just as great as we are, maybe they would have a similar job that we have. They wouldn't be in our team, like you know, reporting to us. So it's it's about setting the the, the realistic expectations uh, and truly understanding your people. I just want to say uh, one thing that happened to me, and it really, I will say that. It had a huge impact. It was probably one of the most impactful stories that I uh, I had in my career. Uh, I had a gentleman a couple of weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, that was coming to a temp assignment from a temp service. And around maybe lunchtime, two o'clock, he came to me. He approached me and said, "Hey, could I just uh, could I just you know take an hour and go home because I have something to handle?" And I said, "Absolutely, of course. You know, you you go take care of business." So. This is Friday, right? So um, I went to to bed early on Friday. That Friday, I was tired, and then I got up super early on Saturday, and I checked out my phone. That was the first thing that I did. And there's a text message from him, and in the text message, he's pretty much saying, "Hey, I'm so grateful. Thank you. Like you've done so much for me, uh, allowing me an hour to go home. Actually, allow me to secure a uh, a place to live that I've been waiting for six months." Oh, for wow. this for this place to live <laughs> he wow. said uh, he said just to sh- I, I really want to show my gratitude and if you guys want me to come i'm not gonna charge you for anything i'll just come and work for a few hours like picking up grounds or something on a weekend and i said no that that is really not necessary i'm i'm so happy that you know you're able to secure your place but just think about this if I was to say, hey, you know, you can't really live, like you had to be here, like without even knowing what, what's going on in that person's life, yeah. how much I could have impacted his life in such a negative way just by saying no. So it, these things happen all the time on a daily basis. That's why I'm saying know your people, know what they're going through. Of course, as much as you can, you, you're not going to know them 100%, but know of them, Right. Yeah. And try to understand what they have going on in their lives. Because life and work, you can't 100% separate them. You know, there's yeah. going to be an overlap. And what happens in your personal life is going to influence your work life. And we have to be cognizant. We have to be to have this awareness, to build our awareness and just always be on the lookout for signs. Someone, not everybody will come to you and ask for help. Like That's people... Right. People are screaming inside. They're hurting inside. You just don't, they're just not saying it. You have to look for signs. 
And when you see those signs, you have to pull them on the side and have that conversation and say, look, can I help you with anything? I, uh, you hit on something that is just so near and dear to my heart, and that is the, the often referred to it as when when people come to work and they they cross over the threshold of the door right you open the door and you cross the threshold it their their problems don't magically jump off of their shoulders so to speak and hang themselves on a nice little coat rack right at the at the threshold they carry all that stuff right into the business and, and you and i are probably the same right things go on in our lives that we carry into the workplace and and maybe we're a little more adept at compartmentalizing it and not displacing it on others, but not not everybody. We're not even no no one's perfect, right? You you bring your broken self to work. And I, I think you're touching on something that it, in my head over the next 18 to 36 months and probably even beyond that, we're we are as an industry and many industries beyond ours are going to be dealing with a mental health issue of of epic proportions. I mean, it's all on the basis of COVID and what COVID has done to the to the world and people and humans. And, and it's incumbent upon us as companies, right, to create cultures that speak to directly to what you just said. When you see people who are struggling, and you're totally right, it's their, bo their body's going to tell you before their, their mouth. You got to jump into that conversation, even if it feels inconvenient or not convenient, right? You got to go for it. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah, it's it'll be important. Um, hey, I want to I want to make sure I'm, I'm going to pivot completely here away from what we've been talking about, because I'm so excited about you doing a podcast, uh, your three two one podcast, or I think you, it's the three two one interviews. And I've listened to the first episode and I'm excited to listen to, to Tara, the, the second episode that you recorded. I've not listened to it yet, but um, I'm excited because you're you're bringing a perspective, you know, getting yourself out on LinkedIn. I know you and I shared before you came on, like just hesitation and really running toward a, a concern that you had. I'd love for you to unpack that, like your hesitancy about doing that and then tell us about the three, two, one interviews because you have a unique format. Uh, I'd love you to tell the audience about it. Absolutely. Uh, so first, I'm gonna start with my hesitance, right? Uh, yes. Obviously, as you and the audience could tell, I wasn't born around here, right? So <laughs> I speak with an accent. You know, my grammar is not perfect, and there's always been a challenge for me being in front of groups of people speaking and speaking freely because I always judge myself beforehand, hey, how am I going to be perceived? Am I going to say things? Am I, not, am I going to say words the right way, the way that, you know, should be said? I judge myself and I, you know, I overthink a lot. And I can't, I couldn't, I couldn't really get past that. So I said, well, what I've done in life was really facing things heads on when I had fears. And I said, I have to overcome my fear of public speaking, even though podcast is not really public speaking. It's actually meant for a public, you know, whether it's a small public or a large public. Right. So that's what really made me. That was one of the reasons why I started a podcast is like putting myself out there and forcing myself to uh, to get better and to own up to my mistakes and hope that I'm going to produce a good enough content that people will overlook my 
grammar mistakes and my accent and actually gonna get something valuable. My, in, my intent is to provide value to my listeners. Uh, now, as far as format, right? I thought about three to one podcast. Typically, uh, a, a podcast or an interview is like a one-way street where the you know uh, the person interviewing asks all the questions. So I said, what if I just do it a little different, right? And I'm gonna say three to one, and it's gonna be a short format. I'm gonna have three questions for each one of my guests. In return, they're gonna ask, they're gonna get to ask me two questions, and one stands for one guest per show. So this is how I came up with it: three to one or 321 interviews. Yeah. I I I absolutely love it. And and for whatever it's worth to you, I uh I started this podcast that I have um like 2013-2014. I think we're on 1100 episodes. The the interview thing is is a fairly new thing for us, but uh it evolved from from doing 1100 episodes. And the reason I started it to your point is that I was very uncomfortable getting in front of a camera and I thought the only way to get better at it was to get in front of a camera. <laughs> so I love that you're doing that for a similar reason. It's very interesting that you mentioned that because I've been on and off following your podcast and I heard you actually saying it and I said, well, here's the reason why I should be doing a podcast, just like what Mike said. Uh, that's that's how you're going to conquer your fears. You're going to face them head on and you're going to overcome. Maybe it's not at the first try, but you're going to overcome. To me, that's the only way. Just trying to avoid, it's just not going to go well for you. Nope, nope. Your, pro- your problems tend to chase you around no matter where you go and what you do. <laughs> they're, they're, they really conveniently do that. Well, Adrian, I, I want to give you the opportunity to sort of tie this up or bring this to a close and share with the audience just anything that's on your mind as it relates to a, an encouraging word, a, a, you know, a piece of motivation, uh, you know, whatever comes to mind for you. Certainly share uh, anything as it relates to the company that you work for. Uh, nothing is off limits, but I'd like you to just sort of bring it to a close here for our audience uh, with some of your w- uh, wise words. So thank you for the opportunity again. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, the company I work for with Burston Residential. Uh, we're not a very well-known company because we're a baby company. We started uh, as a company, as a management company, over a, a little over a year ago. You know, we're growing. We're, we're growing very fast. Uh, I will encourage your audience to just check us out, right, and give us a chance to show that we're we're a great company to work for. You know, we're trying to build a great culture based on empathy, based on kindness, and on people. We're trying to bring in people that care for each other. You know, we're looking out for each other. And I think we're, you know, we're well on the way to to achieve that. You know, we, we have a great, uh, we have a great team right here at Beerstone Residential. Definitely, we have some great opportunities. I actually just posted something uh, today on LinkedIn about, I, I highlighted a couple of, a few opportunities that we have in our portfolio. So definitely encourage you to, you know, to follow us and direct message me on LinkedIn. You know, if you don't have another way to get a hold of me, I am very, I'm making myself available all the time to ask questions. And it's not just about my job. Uh, For those of you that reached out to me will know that the first thing that I say is, hey, can we set up a call? I love to actually talk to you 
over the phone or in person if possible, but because of the distances that, you know, most people are not located where I'm at, we do this over the phone just because I'm trying to understand what are your challenges, whether they're, you know, a life challenge or professional challenge where, you know, you feel like you, you, you're stuck in a, you know, in, in a certain, in a certain spot, you can't really move past that. Uh, but if I understand the details, a, a, a lot of the things that you're you're experiencing, I've been through myself, and I yeah. could tell you how I overcame. And uh, I've actually had you know I, I had those conversations. I'm having them all the time. Uh, I'm very passionate about networking and about helping people out. For those of you that know my content, especially you know lately, I've been trying to you know amp it up and just kind of create a community of ours, multifamily professionals, where we could actually find that, you know, empathy and we could find, we could find that we, we could find someone that we could talk to some, sometimes it's that simple. Like, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's not only a thankless sometimes, you know, uh, I'll say journey, but it's very lonely. The life journey in general is very lonely. You know, we're surrounded by great people, by family, by, by friends, but then they're not with us all the time. Yeah. Most of the time, we're right here in our heads by ourselves, lonely. And sometimes you just need someone to talk to. It's, it's, it's that simple. Uh, I like to be the, build that type of community where people get together, share experiences, share uh, opportunities, share networking opportunities, career opportunities to make this industry better. We have, I read, uh, <clears throat> I read a couple of months ago, we have a deficit of about 850,000 uh, maintenance professional professionals deficit in our industry. How, how are we going to get 850,000? Uh, it, it's going to take a lot of work. Uh, and Networking is definitely great, but then it doesn't have to stop right there because at the end of the day, the pool of talent is very limited. Yeah. Our industry is growing while the talent pool is shrinking. Right. We are losing a lot of people to retirement. We're losing a lot of people to other trades because, you know, we're not competitive in pay. And right. actually our environment, let's just be honest, completely honest, is more stressful than being, you know, being any type of uh, worker at Costco or even HVAC or electrical contractor where it's pretty much your nine to six job and there's nothing after that. Uh, our work is so often 24 seven, 365. Right. So how do we, how do we overcome that? We actually have to start growing our own. I'm actually super passionate. I've been in touch with a couple of uh, apartment associations here in, in, in the Southeast and I'm hoping to start being involved with some of the programs that they've been developing. But I also say that property management companies should start creating their own. Do not wait on your uh, local association. Just an example, we have a you know, great program right here in Atlanta, uh, the Service Academy. Uh, and they turn in like maybe four times a year, about 10 to 15 graduates. Well, this equals to 60 people. Like yeah. there are companies that, have more openings than that in Atlanta alone. Right. So to compete over 60 people that the association is, you know, really producing as graduates of the uh, academy is really not a solution, right? The solution is to start growing your own by 
doing outreach campaigns, first of all, reach out to high schools yeah. and go to the kids, not in 12th grade, but go to them in the 10th grade, when they're in 10th grade. Explain to them, use examples. I'm sure, Mike, you have a great story uh, or how you, you know, how you, uh, how you came up in an industry. Share sure. your story. Show them that there's a path. If a person like you has succeeded in, in such a big way, okay, use personal example, personal stories to exemplify, to show them that there's a, there's a real path. This is a career. That's it's right. not just a job. I'm going to get a job as a groundskeeper. No, this is where you start, but this is where you could end up. Yeah. You, you, you could make it for yourself in ways that you, you, you couldn't even imagine. You can't even imagine. But if we're not doing this, people would not know that there's the opportunities are real. I know of a president of the company that I used to work for that started as a groundskeeper. I know of a CEO of the company that started as a leasing agent. And there's so many examples like that. We That's need right. to use those examples. Go out there. Uh, women are a category. They're... 50% of the population, you know, we have a very few women in the industry. I would love to bring, you know, our, our female partners into the industry and make them interested in uh, starting and developing a career. Okay. Military personnel is another great category. You know, they have, they have great discipline. They have, you know, something that's been built during their service. And when they transition back into the civilian life, it's not necessarily a uh, a very well built path. Right. We could come and say, "Hey, we're coming to you. Why don't you come learn about our industry? Maybe start a career right here in the industry, and this this could be a career, <clears throat> a very lucrative one, for that matter, uh, for the rest of your life." <clears throat> so, th- those are a few things that I'm really passionate about, and I'm. I'm spending all all of my spare time right outside of work uh, trying to to get projects off the ground to become involved to be part of the projects and I also wanted to tell your audience uh, if we do want to change right uh, everybody wants change I think everybody really acknowledges that you know there's a change that's needed in, in our industry right yes. I yes. say if you truly want the change you have to become the change Yes. You can't expect the change from anyone else. I don't care what anyone else's position is. See CEO or president of the company or vice president. You can't really expect from that person. Start with yourself. That's and right. you'll be you'll be amazed of how much of a difference one person could make. Not immediately, not immediately. A person, a single person could make a world of difference. Imagine how much. 10 people could do, 100 or 1,000. What kind of movement would that be? How much would that bring into our industry? Excitement and, you know, just uh, hope for the future. That That's so right and, and such a great point. Uh, uh, such a great point to sort of tie up our, our conversation. And and I, I can't applaud you enough for for what you're doing and i mean that and if there's a way that we can partner with you in some way to to build this movement uh, we're on board i mean i think this is a testament to those of you out there in the audience you know i work for a property management company that's based here in atlanta <laughs> and and so does adrian right but we're not i don't look at this as a, a competing relationship it is two people passionate about building 
an industry, right? Or building a multifamily space that is attractive to people that are need in need of a I, I think you're muted, Mike. Uh, Mike, can you hear me? I cannot hear you. Can you hear me? I cannot hear you for some reason. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go ahead and stop record and I'll call you back in a minute. No, I, I can actually hear you now. I'm not sure what happened. So okay. I, I guess if you if you want to go back to like the less the less part that you were saying and you could, you know, edit later on, because that, that was the part that I missed when you when you are actually saying that you know we're not actually competing, and we're actually just two individuals, two professionals in this industry that we try to make it more attractive, and I haven't like I I, I couldn't hear you after that. Yeah, that that's basically where I stopped. Is that we're you know we're not I don't consider this a competition. It it really is two industry professionals just trying to provide a space for people uh, to come and thrive right and in to the extent that we can do that together we're here to be helpful in the process i i think that would be wonderful you know it starts with the two of us it, well there's there's more of there's us more. Already, right that's but right we, we just we just gonna start a new i guess you know a, a new partnership i'll call yeah. it that way uh with maybe uh speaking up uh making you know just Make, making it public, you know, voicing it out. The more voices, the better. That's and right. also start some meaningful programs because it, it's, you know, making it public is one thing. It's a great, you know, start. But then how how do we get to the execution part? I hope that uh, I hope that company companies like, you know, obviously mine and yours will, you know, will start. We're actually talking about starting some internship, you know, programs. And then we could, you know, we could make it really, meaningful not just uh not just a formal thing uh as far as you know we're gonna check some boxes and on the other end we're gonna put some people through on the other end we're gonna end up with service technicians because uh the reality is it, it, it's a lot harder than that true statement yeah. well adrian i i thank you for your time today i can't wait to publish this and put this out into the world uh and share it up but uh thank you for your time today i truly truly appreciate it I appreciate the invite, Mike. You know, was you know, I was super excited to come. You know, uh, I would love to do another one soon. Uh, there's just so much to talk about, and I think it's uh, is the conversation that's you know very much needed for you know for all of us out there. Oh yeah, definitely. We'll do it again sometime. All right, everybody. Thank you. We'll see you again next time. Thank you, everybody.